You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. Clapping. And plenty of cheering. Noises you'd find, perhaps, in a place like the locker room of an NBA arena. But not these days, and not for over a month. Instead, these were the sounds that greeted a couple dozen healthcare workers from the Cleveland Clinic when they arrived at a New York Presbyterian Hospital location last week. New York City, of course, is the eye of COVID-19 storm. And earlier this month, as the forecast grew more and more grim and a surge in cases threatened to slam America's largest metropolitan area, the faculty and residents of New York Presby's Emergency Medicine Residency Program took part in what else? A Zoom call. So without any more ado, this is uh, Captain Robert Newsom. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody being here. And, and it's truly an honor to me. What a time of, of service for you guys. So, so thank you. You'd only have to be paying a little bit of attention to the news to begin to comprehend the kind of massive pressure confronting hospital emergency room personnel these days. A grueling, relentless, exhausting gut punch packed with equal parts duty, defeat, and fear. Grappling with these emotions was the focus of Rob Newsom's talk with the New York Presbyterian staff. I hope my lessons from, from SEAL training and, and war can help you in this moment. For three decades, Rob Newsom served and protected this country on the front line of battles and behind the scenes. His skills and crisis management strategy ultimately took him as far as the White House until he decided to return to civilian life within the past year. In other words, he has the exact type of perspective that any person, business, or government would benefit from in the midst of a volatile global pandemic. If you're an ER resident or a doc, you're a little bit left of center, like me. I've spent 30 years as a Navy SEAL 
almost three years of my life overseas in the fight, I have feared for my life and I've worried over my family back home. I know what you are feeling. I've been where you are. I want to do this. I was made to do this, but I'd rather not die doing it. So you see, we have a lot in common. How did Rob Newson, two months before the COVID-19 outbreak hit the United States, wind up with the 76ers? I'm Brian Seltzer, and on this episode of the broadcast, I talk with Newson about his path and his new role as the Sixers Vice President of Strategy and Vision. Hey out there, 76ers pod people. Hope you and all your peeps are staying safe, smart, and healthy. Captain Rob Newsom's resume, in short, is totally ridiculous. <laughs> Here are some of the highlights from his bio on the website of the Honor Foundation. 30 years as a Navy SEAL, launched six new military organizations from scratch, spent 14 years as a strategist and was deployed to 14 different countries on five continents, led counterterrorism missions and was the director of the White House Military Office, and all he was responsible with the White House was overseeing these things called Air Force One, Marine One, and Camp David. Rob Newsom also decorated with the Bronze Star for acts of heroism, acts of merit, or meritorious service in a combat zone. In review, you could say that Rob is one accomplished dude. How the heck did Rob Newsom end up with a job in professional basketball? And how the heck were the 76ers so fortuitous to bring him on board just as a global crisis was beginning to emerge? Let's find out. Rob, before I brought you on, I just finished reading through some of the highlights of your career track record. I mean, I got to say, it seems like such a compelling and fascinating and fulfilling journey. How would you describe kind of where life has brought you up to this point? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it was an honor and a, and a privilege to serve as a Navy SEAL for almost 30 years and then uh, go into being a, uh, a government senior executive um, for a year working in the White House on the military side. So it's it's been such a treat to, you know, wear the nation's cloth and serve the nation. And, and uh, really, I, I'm grateful not only for that experience, but for the the skill set I think we've developed in, in the SEAL community, and especially in, in my background, which is really about teams, leadership, and culture. And so that's, that was the foundation that I think brought me to the 76ers. Certainly want to get into unpacking how your professional and personal experiences have shaped the skill set that you can now bring to the 76ers. But I'm sure a lot of fans would love to know for as much as you're able to bring us up to speed just on you know, how the people in the front office are doing, how you guys are managing communicating these days and staying on top of uh, obviously overseeing what needs to be overseen for a professional basketball team, but just the day-to-day lives of people going through something like this. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, right after, I think it was uh, March 11th when kind of the world blew up, right? The season went into hiatus and, and uh, it was nonstop kind of crisis management for the first week or so of um, what are we going to do from uh, taking care of the people's perspective, um, who needed to be in self-quarantine, what was going to happen with the, with work and coordination. And, and so that turned into kind of marathon Zoom sessions with 
different executives, different meetings. And um, that lasted for two or three weeks. And, and it's settled down now to a, a normal work rhythm, but it's, it's, and it's all virtual. So, you know, executives pull together and then um, we have meetings with, with our folks throughout the week on, on zoom. And, and really it's been fascinating to see the, you know, the two main themes from the organization have been, how are we getting better and are we ready? And so it's all been about taking this time to improve um, processes and product on the organization side and then supporting the players so they can continue to stay in shape and prepare. And are we all going to be ready when, whenever the season starts up again? In some ways, it's so fascinating because at least on our side speaking to what's been going on on the business side it's like this opportunity certainly would never want to see it come at the expense of the health and well-being of people around the world but it has lifted the curtain back on how things are done what's the most efficient way to do things how can we maximize every opportunity to get the best possible output at whatever it is we're doing whether it's creating a piece of content or trying to provide the best infrastructure possible for the most talented basketball players on the planet yeah this you're right you we wouldn't wish this on anybody but you know, you find you find your opportunities in crisis, and and one of the opportunities I think the organization is is really grasped onto is is how do we make improvements? And we have we have this this time where we're not constantly traveling for games or preparing for the next game, and um, we've got time to sit back and and really be um, positively critical of how can we get better? And, and I, I really enjoyed that aspect as well as just watching leaders lead. They're taking care of their people. They're engaging. They're, they're trying to give a sense of both purpose and um, safety in a time of uncertainty. So it's, that's been really enjoyable too. You alluded to some of the stops you've made over the course of your career with your work with the Navy SEALs, Department of Defense, 14 countries in the White House. And that phrase that you touched upon, crisis management, diving into that immediately when the pandemic really erupted in the second week of March. What have you learned throughout your life about what's essential to managing a crisis? Yeah, I think there's several aspects that I've, I've been thinking about a lot lately. In, in crisis is is not to be consumed by um, just the chaos of it all, right? I mean, the the noise can get so loud, the confusion can be overwhelming. And part of it is, is a two-step process. One, you have to focus on the thing that's right in front of you and, and really not get distracted by anything else. So, you know, your task list can build and build and build. And if you step back and look at it, it can, it can seem overwhelming. It, it's just eating the elephant one bite at a time to, to stay in the moment and take care of what you need to take care of. And then the second piece of that is also lifting high enough that you're not seeing the madness and, and you know, just the crushing activity that you have to take care of. And you're looking over the next ridge line and saying, okay, how do I, as I'm taking care of the moment and, and piece by piece moving forward, where are we headed? And uh, the, again, the organization, I really enjoyed watching them tackle both the immediacy of activity and um, 
thinking about what chart, what, what course they're charting to get to the new normal. Cause it's not going to, we're not going to go back to what we used to know. I think it's going to be something else. And, and so that takes some, some planning and vision to get there. Did you find yourself having to walk a line or figuring out, well, here I am, I would want to say at that point in time, back in March, what about two months on the job and trying to get a feel for brand new people that you're working with while also trying to lean on experience that, I mean, listen, this is something I was thinking about before doing this interview. Um, any person, company, organization, country, like could probably use someone um, with your experience and perspective, let alone a professional basketball team. So how did you try and pick and choose your spots or get involved in some of these conversations? It, it, it's, it was really funny. Um, we were, you know, we're kind of feeling our way through that. And, and Eldon, Elton brought me on because he cared about teams, leadership and culture and, and thought it was a great fit. But as you go into a new organization, uh, a huge part of that is is learning, and you know, not you, just because you understand leadership, applying it in an entirely new arena is absolutely humbling and daunting. And so there's there's an aspect of of learning that for me in in professional basketball, you know, is is going to go on forever. It's amazing what what people are doing and how much knowledge is out there. Really the crisis opened up that, that window that I think I could jump in a lot faster than I would have and kind of thrown into the middle of uh, working with our coronavirus task force and, and kind of pulling people together in a time of uncertainty that, that kind of, I think accelerated my introduction to the organization. Rob, before the coronavirus became a global pandemic. What was your position supposed to entail with the 76ers? It, it was really, um, there's two parts of it. Uh, my title is vice president of strategy and vision. And so in that part, it's, it's related to leadership, innovation, um, culture, and providing structure around that. So um, I'm responsible for a culture initiative we're calling championship DNA, but it's it's really about being intentful about um, building the right kind of culture that will support winning multiple championships. Um, the other piece is um, integrating the best ball operations innovation efforts. Um, 76ers is known as an innovative um, organization from so many aspects, but it's, it's providing structure and, and, attempting to maximize innovations across the organization. And then the, the third piece is about leadership development and decision-making and how I can support the senior leaders in the organization as, as they lead. And, and they're doing a great job of that. And then that's, so that's one side that really fits under that, that strategy and vision bucket. And then the other side is leading the athlete care department, which consists of medical and, and performance. Um, great, great leadership there with Scott Epsley and Lorena Torres, and and I'm I'm learning from them on what their business is about, and just providing a little bit of structure and organizational leadership on on top of that, so that they can focus downward on all the great stuff they're doing. 
I don't know if this is an appropriate type question to ask, but was your thinking immediately when you could see perhaps on the horizon that this outbreak was making its way to the United States, were you saying, man, I just left 30 years of service, putting my life in danger. I'm looking forward to this new civilian lifestyle professional basketball team, and I just can't escape this whole crisis thing. Like, it keeps following me. Or, or on the other side, were you kind of energized by it in some way? Yeah, it was both. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great observation on your part because it was it was truly both. You know, I, I thought I'd... I'd left that behind, whether it was counterterrorism or, or kind of managing daily crisis in DOD and um, really excited for something new. And, and then the crisis hits. But, you know, you know, there's muscle memory and and the the fire that, that you built up over managing a career that. And so you it just clicks in. It was so familiar and so natural to um, be in that spot. But I, I tell you, I'll, I'll be happy to return back to uh, uh, a different world of, of professional sports and, and me learning at the, at the knee of, of people who really know the business. Amen to that. Why don't we get into your path? How did you end up on, and this is probably something that you could talk about for a long period of time, but how did you end up getting involved with serving the country? I, um, I was fortunate enough to uh, receive a Naval ROTC scholarship at the University of Kansas. Um, and really my motivation was I would pay for college and, and you know, I didn't want to, to, to uh, ask my parents to help out too much. And so, you know, the nation stepped forward and said, sure, we'll pay for your college. And it, you know, in return, you, you, uh, you spend four years in the military. And so that's, that's kind of the path I started and then as I looked at what was available in the Navy, I was a little bit concerned because nothing really lit my fire. And then I discovered um, the Navy SEAL community and was fortunate enough to get selected and go to SEAL training and get through. And, um, you know, that, that just started uh, one great assignment after another for almost 30 years. As you retrace your steps, do you always feel like you've had a sense of obligation, service, duty to country, those types of things? No, I, you know, as I said, I, it started out as I wanted to pay for college. And so those first four to seven years, I kind of expected, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part and, and uh, then I'll see what else is available. And, and I think most guys going into the military kind of, kind of think that way. I don't think too many people come in thinking I'm going to do 20 or 30 years of service. Um, but somewhere around the seven to 11 year point, um, you know, it, it struck me that um, I was called to serve and, and that was incredibly important to me. And the type of service, you know, changes from being in a, in a frontline operational unit to, to being a kind of a, an operations guy that helps those guys and then moving up the leadership chain. But it was, it was always about, um, both serving the nation and, and as, as importantly, serving those around you to, to help the team move forward. We'll have more with Rob Newson in just a moment. But we all know that life these days is anything but normal or conventional. We see so many businesses, companies, and services out there trying to do just a little bit more to make your life a little bit easier. 
At Wendy's, they've got you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and everything in between. Whether it's starting your day with their new delicious breakfast menu or ending it with a cool frosty, Wendy's are open to serve you. Swing by the drive-thru or get your go-to meal delivered today. Back to my chat with Rob Newsom. I saw the link to a video conference you did back on April the 1st or sometime at the beginning of April, end of March, with faculty at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Columbia Cornell, obviously right at the epicenter of our nation's coronavirus outbreak. And I'm, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I thought I wrote it down, the exact wording, but I didn't. But at some point during your introduction, you said, you know, whether it's being a Navy SEAL or being an ER doc on the front line of something like trying to contain COVID-19, there's a little bit of cowboy that we have in ourselves where you're drawn and you feel this calling to selfless acts that you're being asked to do to serve, but at the same time, you don't want to die doing it. And I, yeah. I thought that was a really interesting way to, to put into context what people who are working their way through this crisis right now have in relation to military service women and men. Yeah, I, I had, was fortunate enough to be asked to talk to the ER residents and faculty. And, and um, the reason why they wanted to talk to somebody like me was they're thrown into the breach and, and um, it was it was a little bit new to be both at not only to save lives, to put your life at risk as well. And, and, you know, I've been thinking about this, of course, it applies to our amazing health workers across the nation, but I think it applies to almost all of us where we've, we're faced with a broader purpose to, to protect ourselves and to protect others. Right. And so we're doing things that, that you'd rather not do, you know, people don't wear a mask on their face to protect themselves. That's to protect others. And, and it's heartening to see people um, kind of embrace this broader service and responsibility to, to the rest of the world to, to try to, you know, defeat this, this virus in a, in a timely and efficient way. But yeah, it, it, it was interesting to, and again, I, my, my better half's ER doc. So we talk a lot about the similarities between um, SEALs and ER docs. We are, we are a bit of cowboy and buccaneer in us that, uh, that are drawn to um, the close in fight and, you know, running to the sound of the guns or the accident. For as many details as you're able to offer, would you mind giving an overview of, of the tours and perhaps some of the missions that you were part of, where you had to serve, what you might have been involved with for, again, as much as you're able to share? Yeah. So um, my early career was kind of fo focused on uh, the Pacific, um, mostly a, a West Coast Navy SEAL. So deploying to Guam and the Philippines. And then um, after 9-11, it was um, a lot of deployments. Uh, I went to, to Bosnia and then Kenya, Iraq, Afghanistan, almost two years in Yemen. All of that was kind of focused on counterterrorism and um, hunting terrorists. A lot of my background is, is in strategy and um, designing kind of the hunt. I was fortunate enough to be, um, to help start one of our our premier SEAL organizations that is the targeting engine for the SEALs. And so we, we put all our intelligence capabilities together to, to help um, find and, and point the SEALs in the right direction for, for their missions. And so that 
that was unique and, and special and I think helped me throughout my career because it was really about um, working with subject matter experts where I'm not the expert in any of these areas, but it's, it's how do I help lead and pull them together. And that's been very useful as I've worked with athlete care, you know, amazing people with in medical and performance that, that are the experts. And I'm just trying to provide communication and leadership so that they, they are better able to, to do their great work. On a way smaller and certainly far less significant scale, I felt that when I first started traveling in my job with the 76ers, you know, you get to go to 27, if I'm not mistaken, other cities in the country, and you just get a better feel for what's out there. Um, How did your tours and seeing the world better inform the way you view things and look at things? Um, Well, certainly, I I think, you know, going – into the developing world a lot you 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 have an appreciation for how wonderful america has it and the united states is is truly blessed in in so many levels so you you get to see a level of um suffering and humanity that that is um daunting at times but you also get to see a great human spirit and people who are fighting and overcoming those circumstances. And it, you know, we've worked with partners around the world. And so some things transcend cultures and, and ethnicity. And it's just about, you know, trying, trying to do the right thing and, and work with a group of people to, to move things forward. So it, it's, you know, teamwork and, and, um, a leadership, I think, kind of transcend that is another lesson that that uh, around the world people want a place to belong. They want to they want to be able to take ownership and lead and follow as as best they can. One of the positions that you previously held was the director of the White House military office. I mean, listen, I'm pausing for a second because I'm trying to think of how to articulate the question. I mean, this is, it's it's the White House. I mean, it's almost like a part of someone's imagination at times. There's this, uh, certainly just the stature of it, um, the importance of it that you think of growing up as a kid. And then, you know, if you visit Washington, D.C., you, you walk past and like your mind kind of, at least for me, runs wild about the, the importance of that institution what was it like for you being such a career military service person to be presented with the chance to serve in the White House? Well, there's, so there's several aspects to that. One is just the gravitas of the building. Uh, you know, what an honor. And, and every day I, I walk around there, I, I try to remind myself that, you know, not too many people get to be on the inside walking around the White House. And so you to, to take it all in every every step I, I took it's amazing place you know um, Abraham Lincoln Teddy Roosevelt I know Theodore <laughs> Roosevelt all of them walking around Franklin Roosevelt it, it you know they were standing right here so that's an amazing piece and then working in the White House military office it, it was it was an absolute amazing organization of top-notch professionals you know these are people at the at the absolute height of their profession whether it's the air force pilots that are flying air force one or the marine corps pilots the army transportation unit 
um, the communications guys who are just phenomenal, and really the, the White House Medical Unit and, and the Navy Mess were phenomenal as well. And, and um, that was kind of my introduction to executive medicine, which I, I'd offer that uh, that's kind of what um, the 76ers medical uh, department is doing as well as providing ex- executive medicine to to the, the the players, and so it was it was a nice way to see what what tremendous service and professionalism all is all about. Is that ever something that you have an idea that's coming? You know, when you think about what you're doing, how you're advancing in your career, does it ever? Do people have a sense? Maybe it's different case by case. That like, hey, you know what? I'm at some point I might get a call from sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. You know. Well, it's funny. I, I, uh, I, I'm a strategist, you know, by, by training and, and bent. And so I had my eye on, uh, the national security council and, and eventually hoping getting to work there as a military guy. And, um, that didn't work out. And it was kind of a surprising call as I was retiring to go and be a civilian in, in the white house military office. I, you know, there's, it, just like the 76ers, there are opportunities that I dream of that just kind of happen, and uh, you got to jump at them. I think that leads to a nice segue. I've taken up a lot of your time already. But the opportunity with the 76ers, how did that come about? Well, so there's a great organization called the Honor Foundation, and it is a, um, it's a transition academy for SEALs and other special operations personnel. Um, absolutely tailored to, you know, elite military guys that are getting out of the Navy and, and, or the military. And these guys have spent their entire career, you know, in, in an elite force being the best that they can be is, is both daunting and scary. And, and it's an unknown aspect to transition into civilian life. And so the honor foundation was designed to, to be that bridge. And so I was in, in the White House, and I took a leave of absence because I had a, uh, a PhD that, that I had too long delayed getting done, and, and I took a leave of absence to finish that up. I let the Honor Foundation know that I was interested, and the 76ers had somehow become affiliated and knew about the Honor Foundation, and so they reached out to the Honor Foundation, and we got connected that way, and then it was just an opportunity I couldn't, couldn't refuse. Was there something that clicked you felt with you and Elton when you guys first started talking? Yeah. Um, immediately, you know, we, our conversation revolved around culture and what culture was and how you build, how you intentionally build culture. It was about leadership and, and kind of Elton's philosophy and, um, the need for, um, a little bit of, of structure around all those things, you know, not allowing them to, to happen without thought. And so w- we clicked around those conversations and, um, you know, we, Elton's just a, a fascinating guy to get to get to meet and, and engage with. So he and Alex Rucker and the rest of the vice presidents, I had a ton of interviews with those guys and came away thinking this, this is a great, organization it's a great team of of people who care about each other and so that's what really drew me to the organization i wanted to go back one more time to the 
call that you had with the faculty at New York Presbyterian, and one thing that stood out was you kept referring to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but to me it seemed like you kept referring to what they were up against trying to help contain and mitigate the threat of COVID-19 as, quote-unquote, the fight. And I feel like that's a concept that could apply to perhaps any part of anyone's life. It could be on the front lines in the Middle East. It could be in an emergency room. It could be for a professional basketball team trying to ultimately fulfill its goal of bringing a title back to the city of Philadelphia or something like that. Has that notion of trying to persevere through the fight, that ideal, is that something that you feel has been consistent as part of your outlook, something that's been alluring to you throughout your life and career? Yeah, it's... It's, um, you know, it's, it's really, they say that, that seals aren't made, they're kind of uncovered, but the, you know, the crucible of, of seal training is, a, is really about never quitting and, and leaning into the fight. And I tell you, everybody in the nation today is facing some kind of fight, right? With this massive unemployment, there's unknowns around every corner, health fights, and so it, uh, I think it applies to, to a lot of people on, on how you get through it, how you maintain uh, uh, an attitude that isn't, that is, that is positive and, and, and focused on the right things instead of the, the negative aspect of what you're dealing with. Captain Rob Newson, amazing story, outstanding stuff. A privilege to be able to speak with you. Thank you so much and terrific to have you now a part of the 76ers family. Thanks, Brian. I'm thrilled to be here and can't wait to to get back on the court again. Rob Newson, the new vice president of vision and strategy for the 76ers. Just an awesome, awesome story of service. And now he, of course, is providing the Sixers with invaluable and timely perspective and leadership. That'll do it for this episode of the broadcast. Hope you found it insightful. Keep checking our 76ers podcast network feed for fresh content throughout the rest of the week. The 76ers GC podcast crew of head coach Jeff Terrell and Alexander Steves Bernstein have got arguably the best NBA 2K League player on the planet on their latest episode of the podcast. That would be Radiant. You don't want to miss that. Plus, we have new episodes of Coat Check, the official podcast of the 76ers G League affiliate, the Delaware Bluecoats. And Tom's Talks, our new pod with the man, the one and only radio voice of the 76ers, Tom McGinnis, out later this week. So again, check the feed. Brian Seltzer saying so long for now. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay smart out there. Talk to you next time. See ya. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. 
that's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.